0: So uh, today is a different kind of sermon, uh, as you can probably imagine already. Instead of me preaching a sermon just about how to share your faith at work, school, and with friends, we decided to change it up a little bit and do a panel discussion. Uh, And in doing so, hopefully, by way of testimony, hearing from different people about their places of work, their places of school, we may learn a little bit about what God is doing in those places and maybe unique perspectives about what it looks like to share our faith in those places. Um, Before we get to that, I want to share a little bit about this question. I'm going to do a scripture reading, and then I'm going to open us up in prayer before I begin to ask questions to our panel this morning and before they introduce themselves. This question actually came from a middle school student who a few months ago talked to Mary and I and said, I don't know how to share my faith at school. It's really challenging And when other students found out I go to church, sometimes they make fun of me or they tease me for going to church as a middle school student, and I just don't know how to share my faith and how to do that well, and I could really use some encouragement on sharing my faith. So Mary and I thought that was a very interesting thought that a middle school student has this going on in their life. And so we thought this would be a good way potentially to share, get some ideas going. So it wasn't just Mary and I sharing with this person, but they may hear from some other people about how to share their faith. The scripture reading that is controlling this message today to some extent is words from Jesus at the very end of Matthew chapter 28. It's verses 16 through 20. So listen to God's word. Now the eleven disciples, they went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them, and when they saw him as resurrected, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember... I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of God. So uh, this past week I've been reading a book by one of my favorite theologians, Leslie Newbegin, and I just want to share an insight that he had into this text, which is that the order in which Jesus instructs his disciples is actually indicative of, of perhaps an idea of sharing our faith. He says, make disciples... Discipleship is an idea of relationship and making sure that relationships are significant and important first and foremost. It's not that baptism comes first or teaching comes first, but that relationship is important right off the bat, and that relationship's important, and then baptism happens as a response to the work of God in your life, and as people understand that and see that at work. And then teaching comes after that. And I just thought that was really interesting. Leslie Newbigin was a missionary in India for 30 years in the 20th century, and then when he came back to England, he tried to apply those ideas and concepts back in England by building relationships, then pursuing and seeing faith at work in other people's lives, and then teaching. Really interesting. So with that, let's open with prayer, and then we'll get into this panel discussion this morning. Lord God, thank you for you. Thank you for who you are, from the very beginning of time as you created this world in which we live and how you have uniquely made every one of us. And so God, we pray for this panel discussion today, God, that it would be glorifying to you, that we would be able to learn from one another and that for our panelists today, God, that their hearts would be calm and that they would just be able to share clearly from who they are in their own life experiences. And so, God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be with us as we enter into this time of discussion about sharing our faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we'll begin with the first question, which is, will you share your name, share your context, work, school, and if you have a long arc of work, just share a bit about that history of that work. And then what's your favorite go-to sandwich? If you're traveling, if you're out and about, what's the one sandwich you go for?
1: Um, good morning, my name is Daniel Weaver. I'm a programmer for Facebook. Um, and I've worked for a bunch of Valley companies before that. Um, and my go-to sandwich uh, is pretty much anything at the sandwich spot.
2: Okay. Uh, good morning, my name is Madeline Ditzler. I'm a student at Dartmouth College. I just finished my freshman year. Um, and my go-to sandwich is probably egg salad with pickles. Oh, you got one. Uh,
3: my name is Chuck Litchfield, and, um, I was in the Navy for 25 years, and my go-to sandwich is probably a Philly cheesesteak.
2: Philly
4: cheesesteak. You can tell he lived in Philadelphia. My name is Sarah Cowie, and I'm a high school teacher in San Mateo, a public school, and I've been there for, this will be my 25th year. Oh, my favorite sandwich, I would go with turkey, bacon, lettuce, tomato, that'd be good.
0: Turkey, bacon, lettuce, tomato, okay. Thanks for sharing. That's a bit of an inside joke. Maybe I'll share it at the end of our panel discussion. Sarah and Madeline and I had lunch together this week, and, well, I'll share it later, because it may come up in the panel discussion. (laughs) (laughs) Two... Question two, just um, share a story about a time when you knew that God was at work in your life, when God was really present with you. Share a time in your life when you knew that to be true.
1: I get to go first. Yeah, we'll go in line. Um, so when I was about 30, uh, uh, I was at church, and, and my pastor was doing a benediction, and, and the tradition at, at that church was to hold our hands out during the benediction. And uh, one of the things he said was, so look at the way that you're holding your hands. Some people are holding their hands cupped like this, and other people are holding their hands uh, wide open. And uh, I was very much a holding my hands cupped person. I, uh, I was a very, uh, I think, unhappy person in my 20s and in my teens. Um, and so, uh, yeah, part of holding it is I, I thought, uh, well, I didn't think. So, so you know, internally I'd internalize this idea that God's love was small and rare. And so I, I would catch uh, something small and hold on to it tightly. And Keith encouraged uh, all of us to think about God's love as being everywhere and holding your hands wide open, that you can't catch one. That you need to be uh, have your hand open to touch uh, as much of God's love as you can. And uh, as I thought about that, I kind of reflected how uh, without much of a plan, Uh, to my life, or much, uh, uh, or enjoying it a whole lot, I I actually had a pretty good life, and I felt very blessed that I'd been taken care of in this way, Um, a sparrow or flower in the field, Um, and uh, that, you know, touched off a time of of really just appreciating um, how lucky I'd been and how God had worked in my life.
2: I think recently, uh, just this past term, I was I was having a really hard time, had some pretty ugly drama with my roommate, uh, calculus was really difficult and very frustrating, and uh, my dog had just passed away back home, and I'd sort of started to feel like I just I wasn't good enough, I didn't deserve the education I was being given, and there was, you know, I just, I wasn't enough, and, um... I brought it up to my Bible study group, uh, and I, you know, I, we met every week. I was close with those girls, but I kind of kept them in that context. I didn't see them much outside of that weekly meeting, and it was incredible. Um, these, these girls uh, just poured their hearts out to me. They prayed with me. They prayed for me, and this whole community kind of lifted me up, and it was a moment of realization for me that I was in some ways right. I wasn't enough, I wasn't good enough, and that was the point. Um, I'm not alone, and this isn't, none of this is, uh, I can't take credit for anything I've done, and I'm, uh, I really started to feel that God was, was showing me who I was leaning on, and it wasn't him, and it wasn't his followers, and I found a great community just through that realization, and it's, it's changed my experience at school.
3: So I'm going to start by saying that um, I'm the best singer in my car. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and, the re- and the reason that's important will become clear. Um, I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit in song, um, and I'll recount three moments in my life when I have really felt that. The first is, if anybody's ever been to Annapolis, to the Naval Academy Chapel, um, and if you ever get out toward D.C., I encourage you to go to a service there. When you hear, some, when you hear the entire congregation sing, Eternal Father Strong to Save, in that chapel, uh, you know the Holy Spirit is present in the world. The second story is, during the first Gulf War, I spent Christmas in Muscat Oman, um, and being in a, a Muslim country, there were a lot of restrictions on us, and so we had Christmas Eve service on the bow of our ship, and I will tell you that that small crew gathered on the bow of that ship in the middle of a Muslim country, singing Silent Night. I knew that the Holy Spirit was present. And, and the last story, it doesn't have anything to do necessarily with a hymn, but when we were coming back from the first Gulf War, um, I did a lot of flying at night and didn't see many dawns. And so one of our last missions as we were coming home was to fly a dawn patrol. And so just on a whim, we climbed the helicopter up to about 10,000 feet. And uh, we, had a, we had wired a Walkman into our intercom system, so we were listening to the album Bad Company, 10 from 6. <laughs> Not a hymn, but really good music. And we watched the sunrise at 10,000 feet. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. And for me, the Holy Spirit was present in that moment.
4: I like Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, good one. <laughs> Sorry. Um, for me, my story is similar to Madeline, I would say about three or four years ago. I was having a crisis of spirit, in essence. Um, if you've ever watched Brene Brown, anybody? No. She has this very funny speech about vulnerability and the idea that you could have a nervous breakdown and then she crossed it out and put spiritual awakening. And so for me, about three years ago, I had, in essence, a spiritual awakening where I realized I was focusing much more on my mental and physical being and not at all on my spiritual and emotional being. And I realized I couldn't live my life that way anymore. And so for me to take this huge jump of faith and go to this, you know, very um, important retreat that I went to, to kind of change the way that I was living my life um, was a huge leap and I knew that I could do it if I had God with me. Um, I had been raised in a spiritual tradition but it wasn't very how should we say forgiving and welcoming and loving in that sense I won't say which one but you could guess um, and then when I came here and met with Mary and Kurt and they wanted to hear my story you know, there's so many amazing people here just the fellowship you know when people talk about church so much it's about the people you know, and yes, it's about God, and that we're coming together, and you know, deep in that relationship. Um, but for me, it's a just a been an amazing journey this last two or three years, and I feel really blessed. So from that brokenness, I'm um, now, and I see everything. I see so many blessings, and uh, that's how God shows up for me today. So thank you.
0: Thanks for sharing, everybody. Um, I wonder what is, what are some of the challenges and the joys of sharing faith in your context. You just shared faith with us, which is beautiful, and I'm wondering, what does it look like in that context for you? What are some of the challenges and joys there, starting with Daniel again?
1: <laughs> um, so I don't know what preconceptions people have of Facebook. If you've seen the Shelter Network, you probably have a pretty good preconception. But one of the things that's not obvious um, is that there are a lot of immigrants at Facebook, so people from other countries, other cultures, uh, other religions. Um, and what that means, uh, so so I spend uh, many lunches uh, educating people on the American political system, um, but also on um, Christianity. Um, their perceptions uh, of Christianity uh, growing up in a Muslim world is uh, extremely different. Um, conversely, uh, listening to somebody... Uh, so I've never, I don't buy into this, but there, there's a there's a lot of talk about how Christians feel unsafe or, like, victim, or, I don't know, some kind of victimization notion that, that being you're your persecuted as being a Christian in this country. Um, when you talk to a Muslim about their experience of being here in this country, um, that really uh, puts that in perspective. Um, so that, so it has been a real joy to me talking to people um, in kind of a blank slate, which is, you know, not something that I ever experienced growing up.
2: I... Yeah, one of the challenges that i found found uh, speaking about my, my faith in college is it's such an intellectual community, and I'm an intellectual. I definitely, I mean, that's why I'm at college, is to be a student, to be, you know, engaged in thought, and to be a deep thinker. And there are a lot of conceptions about anyone of faith, not just Christianity, but Christianity doesn't have a great rap um, among kids my age at college and there's a lot of um, it, it's hard because I don't feel that when I say I'm a Christian, the identity that I have as a Christian and as an intellectual isn't the same as the one they see when I say that I'm there's this huge fear that now that I'm a Christian. I am dogmatic, and, um, you know, I, <laughs> yes, judgmental, and I'm not, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not a, you know, an, I'm not an intellectual in the, in the way I, I feel I am. I self-identify, and so um, it's sometimes difficult, and, and definitely I'm hesitant to share that information with people who don't already know me as a thinker and an intellectual. Um, it's definitely one of the challenges.
3: Uh, so I, I, think, I think I'm supposed to talk about work now, right? Sure, yeah. yeah okay, mm-hmm. so um, so the Navy is very interesting. Actually, all the armed services are. When uh, the Continental Congress passed the first laws that, conscripted, that bought the first ships and formed our first Navy, they actually dictated in the law that um, spiritual services would be held. In fact, they were... Um, pretty singularly focused on Protestant services. Um, and, you know, that we can have the whole history con- conversation about that. But, um, but the presence of uh, spiritual giving, spiritual sharing, is something that has transcended uh, the entire history of our country in the military. And today, the military recognizes, I think the number's around 90 different types of Spiritual or faiths, um, and and it really runs the gamut. But I think that one of the most important aspects of it is is that it does, as a organization, as a as a um, as a workplace, co- incorporates spirituality into it. And so there are provisions on the Navy ship on Sundays for uh, for services. There are provisions for. Um, Muslim observances of the times of prayer during the day. Um, There are provisions for spaces for uh, sailors of the Jewish faith to observe the Sabbath on Friday. Um, And I think that that is I think it's, well, I can tell you for sure In, in the world in which the military lives in the things that you are expected to do, in the hardships that you are expected to endure, not being able to support uh, faith and uh, and a spiritual journey uh, would be a real travesty and would be counterproductive to the things that we are asking those young men and women to do. Uh, And the other thing that I want to say is, um, you know, in, in the eyes of God, Uh, none of us is more or less than anyone else. And so even in a hierarchical system like the military where you can be the captain of the ship or you can be uh, a seaman, when you attend those services, it is all of us equal in the eyes of God. And I think that's a really important and humbling reminder.
4: So I do work in a public school, and so there are lots of rules and laws about what you are and are not allowed to do. Um, we have clubs that are open to many different religions, or actually two. Um, but for me as a classroom teacher, I do allow kids to share their story. That's part of how we get to know each other, and often they'll share about their faith, and I'm open to doing that. And I always say that we're not preaching to you. Um, I work in one of my classes about physical, mental, emotional, and a spiritual goal. And I always tell them that the spiritual goal does not have to be religious. It could be service. It could be any kind of thing that helps to feed them in in, the, you know, in a deep way. Um, but I am able to have those conversations about their faith, maybe at lunchtime and other times, not necessarily as a classroom instructor. And then the other thing that I find interesting is oftentimes I'm at conferences, and we're all educators, and we don't sit there and talk about our faith, but maybe you'll be at lunch or you know, after hours talking and a couple weeks ago I was at a conference and one of my friends who I've known for many years, we were eating lunch and he sat and he stopped and he put his head down. And I, and I thought oh, this is a man who I respected for many years and I didn't realize that he was a man of faith. And, but then afterwards I was thinking to myself it totally makes sense the way that he lives his life, encouraging others and building people and he's an amazing administrator in Ohio. Um, And it just, oftentimes I'll see that, and I go, it's a reminder, like, we are, our ministry often is just by the way we live. It's not by preaching, in essence. And that's what Mary has told me, that, you know, in education, it's ministry. Just, it's not, you know, the same title, the same label. Thank you.
0: Okay, last question. And then I'll get to the inside joke from the first question. But um, what's a piece of advice you would share with this church community about sharing our faith? What's one piece of advice?
1: I, so, so nobody really wants to be evangelized, right? But everybody wants to have more trusted friends. Um, I was thinking about this last night. I thought this was really profound, and then they sang this ch- little children's song this morning about love is something you give it away. I think... Uh, so, and in general, the first thing is, is that you always want to speak to everybody in love. But the, but the other part is about vulnerability, all right, and so, if you think about what trust is, trust is the, the exercise of exposing a vulnerability and having that being supported um, by another person. It's really hard to build uh, a relationship with somebody um, if you don't show any vulnerability or you're not able to uh, help them when they're showing you vulnerability. Um, so, to your sixth grader, um, you're screwed because everybody in middle school is a jerk. Um, but <laughs> but if you're dealing with, dealing with adults, um, you know there's a tendency not to show vulnerability. If you think of, as Madeline was saying, uh, being a Christian is, is potentially conceived as being a vulnerability in an intellectual setting. Um, I think when I was younger in the programming setting, I, I viewed that as the same way. Um, and one of the ways that I got around that was saying that, yes, I am intentionally um, sharing my authentic self. Um, and if that... Um, is supported and uh, and encouraged. Then, you know, not only have I um, shown this part of myself, but I've also begun to establish uh, a stronger bond of trust. Um, and so, yeah. So, uh, and and I think as part of that, uh, listening uh, is as important as talking. Sometimes that's hard to forget, as a, or that's easy to forget as a man.
2: <laughs> Thank you. Um, I think. Kurt touched on it this morning with the with the baptism. Um, I guess for me, I growing up always felt that sharing my faith uh, immediately enrolled me in an obligation to drag this person to church and ensure that they became a true believer, and it, it was a huge responsibility I felt. Um, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a small thing; it was a huge thing. But uh, I don't know. I've sort of come to realize that. You know, sometimes it is a big conversation, but most of the time it's a series of really small interactions. I and and it's not about an end goal. You know, someone I share my faith with might not ever come to church, but they might leave that conversation thinking about Christians in a different way, and that's a success. And maybe, maybe they don't, but they know me better, and just as I would share any part of my identity as I, you know, grow in a relationship with someone, I think it's, it's the same with my faith. It's, it's part of who I am, and part of, you know, getting to know someone is knowing what they love, even, and what makes them them, even if it's not something that you share, um, and so for me, learning to share my faith and, that whole process has become so much easier knowing that it's not me who, it's not a huge responsibility, it's a series of interactions and ultimately it's it's God who's going to change this person's heart and um, whether or not I'm the last person in that series of people who will, you know, bring that person to church one morning um, it's sort of irrelevant. It's not the benchmark that we're looking for. It's about uh, changing, softening people's hearts towards Christ, one interaction at a time.
3: I like that. Uh, So first of all, I don't think I'm qualified to give advice on this. (laughs) I'll just say that right out. Um, I'm not there are people that I have served with. There are people I have known that I think reached a state of grace. And, um, and I'm a sinner, and I look at them, and I am jealous. Um, and so I don't feel qualified to give advice on that. I think all I can say is, is that I, I long for that. And if God helps me find it, then that's a good thing.
4: When I think about sharing a journey, it's I have to remember my journey is my journey, and anybody that I meet, their journey is their journey. Um, it's really important that for myself that I accept people where they're they are on their journey. Um, and when I think about my faith and how I live my life, it's so much about attraction and not promotion. Um, if I go around and thump and say, it could be about anything. It could be about exercise or a diet or why are you eating that candy bar? You know, it's if I go and yell at people and tell them, you should be doing this, come on, it's going to change your life. Um, it's not necessarily going to work, but if they see things in me that they want for themselves, then they may come and start that conversation, and I'm willing to talk to them. Um, but it is it is a big, big leap, right? It's Do you have uh, the willingness to share yourself in that way, and, and uh, do you want to help others? So I think for me, being of service is kind of one of the biggest ways to share your faith. But, yeah, that's kind of the deal.
0: Well, thank you, everybody. Let's give a round of applause to our panel today. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you all. I appreciate all sharing and being vulnerable doing, you know, modeling what it is that you shared and the advice that you gave to us today. Lastly, I'll just share this this metaphor, and then I'll pray, and then we'll move on in the worship service, but Sarah, Madeline, and I were having lunch together this week to talk about this uh, service, and Madeline had said, you know, if so much a part of my identity is being a Christian, um, and people want to get to know me and be in relationship with me, it's almost like if I love a sandwich or a sandwich shop, and somebody says to me, I really love sandwiches, too. And then you just can't share that piece of your life with them, that kind of that idea of, like, I have a go-to sandwich that's incredible, and I really want to tell you about it, but there can feel this awkwardness sometimes around sharing our faith with each other. But if so much of your identity is being a Christian, and as we grow in relationship with other people, it's like we, ha- we just want to share that part of ourselves with you as we grow in relationship and being more intimate and sharing our vulnerabilities with one another. So I don't know if that's too funny at the end of the day, but... I thought it was instructive while we were eating sandwiches and talking about what it meant to share our faith with one another. So let's, let's end this panel discussion with prayer. God, thank you again for you, um, for each of our own journeys, God, and for the way that we have seen your grace for us in our life and how it's drawn us closer to you. And so, God, I pray for this panel discussion. God, that fruit would be born of this in some way and that your spirit would be making it to grow in this community. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, thank you all. Uh, We're going to continue in worship now.